Yay. Thanks, guys. So wonderful to be with you all on this uh, special day. I just want to uh, welcome a few uh, really important people to me uh, and to Sue and uh, hopefully into the future to all of us. Um, Pete and Jan. I love this guy. He's one of my best and dearest mates, and you as a couple are so precious. So thank you for making the trip to come be with And Jan, thank you for bringing him to this occasion. One of the things I'm realizing is that uh, part of our inheritance, part of what is, makes our lives rich, on just, just the little moments, there's a bit of an echo here, not, not just the high moments of our lives. It's the relational network that we, that we live in, that we live off. And uh, today I want to welcome my very, very dear friends, or Sue and my very dear friends, uh, Nadine. What's your husband's name again? <laughs> and Ashley, Ashley and Nadine Bell, they lead a fantastic church that we've got to serve in over many years, uh, you know, over the decades. We've known you guys for over 40 years. Like, that's like, that's like chunky, real amount of time. And, uh, yeah, as I reflected on that, I, Sue and I walked away from our time with you yesterday. We, we just said, we just love you guys so much. Appreciate your, your, uh, your long-haul faithfulness in the kingdom of God. They've been manning a lampstand there for how many years? 20? 22 years in Bryanston. Uh, Bryanston New Covenant Church started years ago, but under their watch, uh, it's flourished and flowered and blossomed and bloomed and multiplied, and we just want to honor you. And, and it's from this community that we get to receive Mark and Megan. They left the B team when they found the A team. It's like just what happens. And, uh, okay, you know that's a joke. Uh, but guys, the, the net, the, the, our true prosperity are the relationships. Just remember, the only thing we take out of this life into eternity are the relationships. And a local church is about relationships. And the way we build the church is about relationships. And I want to just make much of relationships, but particularly our relationship and I. Honor you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for who you are, God. And, and Nadals, thanks for... I, I'm, you know, I, we help these guys meet, by the way. Just, <laughs> it, uh, but one of our favorite uh, musicians as well. I'm going to invite you, Ash, to just come and say a few words to this congregation. Treat it like you would your own church. And let's just welcome Ashley and Nadine today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rigby and Sue, a couple together with the elders, and of course, Mark and Megan. Um, I um, have planted a church, and I've also transitioned the leadership, and so I know what Mark and Megan are going through right now, and Don and Heidi. Um, and um, my thoughts immediately go to Revelations chapter 1 and chapter 2, where you have John in full admiration of Jesus, and this is someone who you remember on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he is found to be leaning or leaning on Jesus' chest. And so that's how it's portrayed by the artists. But uh, this is a very different picture when you look at Revelations chapter 1 
This is a man who's, who's absolutely petrified and falls down on his face and just feels, I'm going to die as Jesus arrives into the, the frame of his view. And um, one of the things that I find so outstanding is immediately it goes into a description of the churches. It describes Jesus as being the high priest moving in amongst the candlesticks, which is representative of local churches. And then it also speaks about the pastors who lead those churches. And uh, I am at one point was going to transition the leadership of a particular church uh, in our city. And uh, they um, had come to us and said, well, don't you want to make it one of your sites? And so we thought, well, why not? I mean, site was the kind of in vogue experience of local church at the time. And I remember just working out why it would be such a good idea. It was in the same region that we were meeting in, so it made a lot of sense in terms of culture. But uh, the morning I got to meet with my eldership, I read Revelations chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I realized, who do I think I am that I can just take a hole, put my grubby little fingers onto a church that actually belongs to Jesus? So let's just remember who you belong to here. And so it's not just a mechanical thing of let's find them a leader. No, no, no. This is God's bride, and you are beautiful and attractive to him. And so uh, I remember just thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, uh, this isn't a good idea. And instantly I thought of an, a couple in our church that I felt, actually, we should be releasing them to go and lead in that context. Long story short, we actually did that. That church is still going strong today. Subsequent to them leading it, they've now transitioned to a new leader, and they're doing exceptionally well. So I look at a transition, and I see it not just the exchanging of the baton, and I've used that illustration often when it comes to moments like this, and I've also run a relay race, I know what it's like to drop the baton when everybody just goes, oh, and you've got to turn around, and you could pick it up anywhere. You don't have to be discreet about picking up a baton. It's just like, let me get this thing to the next runner. But that's not true when it comes to church. For the simple reason that what's been exchanged here in the spiritual realm is a fiery, flaming, blazing torch. It's all of the promises that have been spoken over this congregation. All of what is DNA that has been laid as a foundation already. All of what it is that God has said about the future of this church and how he thinks of it. And you know, when God speaks a word, it never returns and never accomplishes that which it was purposed to do. And so all of those promises that have been spoken over the life of this church, that's what's been exchanged from Don, who in a sense has taken up the leadership and just cushioned the blow of what it's like to be leaderless. But then you have him passing on this fiery baton of promise to Mark and Megan. Don and Heidi have passed that baton. And so for me, it isn't about, oh, what if you drop this baton? Where do we pick it up? Well, there's only one way to pick it up. It's with discretion, and you don't drop it, do you? Because you have the support of those over which the promise has been spoken. And so I think, obviously, I state the obvious, although this is prophetic as well, is that sitting in this congregation is vision. Sitting in this congregation are individuals that God has equipped for such a time as this. When our nation is experiencing and the world is experiencing what it is, God has put in place leadership. That doesn't mean that the leadership that have been up to now, now put their feet up, Don and Heidi. On the contrary, this is where actually they're more needed than ever as you go through the vulnerability of a transition. And so all of God's promises that have been spoken possibly even through you as individuals, 
you need to know that God is still committed to those words. And there is a fiery torch of promise that is being exchanged today. And I thank God for that because it's exciting. It's exciting. Think big because you're getting a couple who only know big thinking. Let me tell you, you can't tie this man and his wife down. You've probably already experienced that. He's a very gifted individual. They have served incredibly well. Let's say they did the eight hard years, <laughs> and they are coming to the A-team. They're coming to beautiful and attractive. And so I just want to say, God bless you for receiving them the way that you have. Thank you, Rigby. This is a great connection. You've heard 40 years. One of us hasn't aged that well. But anyway, let's just move on. <laughs> oh, it's clearly me, you know. <laughs> But God bless you. You guys are getting a great couple, a great family. Thank you so much, Ruby. Thank you. Ashley uh, said something to us last night, and uh, I just want to echo this little line he said that, you know, when we, when we give ourselves to the purposes of God, when we say we're going to obey you, it's not about you. And the line he used is he said, there are people waiting on the other side of our obedience. Mark and Megan, Don and Heidi, whatever the shifts and changes are, there are people and lives that will be impacted on the other side of our obedience. I stand before you as a sort of a midwife. It's been a fantastic Okay, don't get, don't picture that. <laughs> but metaphorically, we've lived in this kind of journey of, uh, for, a, for a season, wanting to, to, to see this moment, you know, dawn. And it's dawn prematurely or before we anticipated. We, we were looking at sort of July, August for this to happen. But Marcus just and Meigs have stepped into this in such an amazing way. Uh, and your hearts have been so open to them. It just feels like... Uh, this is the time. In its time, God can do things quickly, and it seems like the Lord has done that. But tonight is not, or today is not about you guys, it's not about Don and Heidi. In some sense, it is. You're very much part of what happens here. But I actually want to speak to all of us today. I want to speak to us as a community. And by way of just intro, and then I'm going to whiz through a passage of Scripture with some exhortations that are for all of us. Uh, from 1 Peter chapter 4. But last year, the Christian church around the world gathered to celebrate Good Friday, where Jesus died on a cross for the sins of the whole world. If you're new to church or exploring faith, it seems like quite a gruesome, brutal thing, but we, we celebrate that because Jesus wasn't just murdered by Romans and by a religious system. He willingly laid down his life as an act of sacrificial love. And a couple of days later, three days later, he was raised again, died for our sins on Good Friday, and on Easter Sunday, he was raised for our justification. He was raised to make us right with God. He was raised to give us his very own righteousness. I mean, it is off the charts. It's scandalous. It's so good. He's found a way to bind us to his goodness forever. And then on the evening after the resurrection, there's this moment where the disciples are gathered in a room for fear of the Jews. They're on the back foot. 
They're not sure how this thing's going to play out. Some of them are bringing news of the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And then we have what I've called a moment where an empty tomb invades a crowded room. There's a moment where this risen Christ with a supernatural body walks through the walls to those disciples. And uh, I learned something new recently. I always thought it was just the, the, the 11 that were waiting in this room. But in Luke 24, verse 33, it says, and they, and they found the disciples and those who were with them gathered there. It was way more than just the original 11. So what I want you to do is get a picture of these are the future apostolic pioneers, fearful, together with a whole lot of other guys who think those fearful ones are going to make them safe, so they're gathering with them. And Jesus breaks into the fear party as the risen Christ, and He reveals Himself to them with just these words. He says to them, He walks through the wall, and He says to them these words. This is not doing very well. I need to just lock this. So it doesn't fall over this way and do a somersault. Let's read the text. On the evening of that day, John 20, verse 19, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. I just love it. He just comes and he says, Peace be to you. I want you to hear that for us, the season we're in. And when he had said this, strangely, remarkably, he shows them his hands and his sides. What does he do? He points to the wounds of Good Friday. He points to the grounds for the forgiveness of sins. And he's standing there as the real assurance of their justification. He says, look, the price has been paid. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. There's, there's mood architecture. There's change happening. And then Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Who's he sending? The apostles and all those gathered. In other words, this is not a moment just for the original Super leaders of the church to be infused with a fresh baptism of life and power. This is a supernatural moment of them being commissioned, of them being animated with the very life of God. And he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If I want to say to you, receive these leaders, we're going to get there. But I want to say to you, for our future, for all those promises that God has for us, for that bigger, enlarged future, it is not about you and I receiving leaders. We need to receive those leaders in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to say, Lord, this is about all of us following Jesus and being caught up in the slipstream of His resurrection power. And what that means, if Jesus breathed, On all of them, it means all of them had an assignment. Now, Mark and Megan, you guys have got a big assignment. 
Don and Heidi, you still got a big assignment. You're on an eldership team with these other guys, Klaus and Megan and Colin and Joyce. You, you're on a team. It's a big assignment to be on a team. But our problem is we think leaders have all got the big assignments, and the way we measure assignments are very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Why? Because there are no small assignments in the kingdom of God. Why is that? It's because everyone who has been breathed on by the Holy Spirit has received an assignment. Everyone who, who Jesus sends has got an assignment. And if you name Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have an assignment. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what I want us to really understand is the size of our assignment is not based on the actual sphere that we call to serve. The size of our assignment is based on the one who gave it to us. The majesty and the wonder and the beauty and the authority of the one who called me. That makes my assignment significant. God called me. God sends me. God breathes on me. And guess who else was in the room? on that first Easter Sunday evening. Simon Peter was in the room. And you watch how this plays out in Simon Peter's life as they move, these, these leaders of the church, as they move into the day of Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit falls and even greater power on the church, and the church is launched, and the rest is church history. Peter stands up as one on whom the Holy Spirit has been breathed and on whom has been filled in a special, significant way. And he stands up and he preaches in a way that he's never preached before. What I'm trying to say is we understand our assignment comes from God. We'll start to function and do things that we never thought possible. And folk, folk, what our world needs, our very broken world, it doesn't need a kind of uh, rotary version of the church. It needs a community of people who are full of the life of God, the Holy Spirit, who've been commissioned, who's saying yes to God, who are partnering together, who are humble and gentle and are shoulder to shoulder in this mission together. We need big gifts. But those big gifts are not the story of the show. The big gifts are catalysts to the bigger gift, the body of Christ, the priesthood of all believers. And so Peter, who has preached this message, he's starting to experience the life of God flowing through him in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11, and I'm going to whiz through his exhortations, and I'm hoping for an invitation to come and share these with you as your elders and deacons when there's a moment, because I, there's some stuff here that I just want everyone to get the high-level overview of how supernatural our faith is. How supernatural, how, how beautiful it is when the church is commissioned to live in its fullness and every member understands their role in that. So we're going to read those, these verses. Let's read from 1 Peter 4, uh, 7 to 11. It's on the screen. How's this for, a, for an opening line? The end of all things is near. He's got the keys. He's going to close out history. And when he came the first time, he's, that was the beginning of the end. Therefore, if the end of all things, if it's, everything's coming to an end, be alert and sober and of sober mind so that you may pray 
Above all, love each other deeply because your love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. It's different to hostility. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, the glory and the power forever and ever. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to us. Father, I want to ask you, as we open our hearts to these exhortations, these charges from the Scriptures, that we would receive them not as the words of men, but as the very words of God. Won't you light fresh fires in our heart? Won't you give us a greater sense of what you wanted to do in and through a church alive in the Holy Spirit? We just welcome you, ask you to wash over us, stir us, even as we seated here today. Won't you whisper assignments? Won't you touch lives? Won't you unite our hearts, Lord? Let it be more than just being united to you, a union with you. Let there be a communion with you as we hear the Scriptures today. In Christ's name, amen. Three big points. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober-minded so that you may be able to pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Say that out loud. Love each other deeply. You know, why, was he, why do we have to say love each other deeply? Because we need to love beneath the surface of things because it's easy to love the veneer of one another's lives. To love each other deeply means we're going to have a bit of crap every now and then. Did I just say crap in church on Sunday? Okay. For the sake of the recording, my name is Mark McKinley. <laughs> so, big charge number one. There is a, a call or a charge from God to a God-centered and community-oriented living. What are you talking about? You see, when Jesus died to get us right with God... He, that's vertical. But there's a way to live this out. It's horizontal. And we live our lives at the intersection of the cross, the vertical and the horizontal. There's a very powerful thing going on here. And God brings these things together in this charge. He says, I want you to have a God-centered life, and I want you to be community-oriented. It's not you and Jesus. It's not just me and my community and my life group. And it's a, no, it's God at the center of everything informing, the gospel informing everything else we do, informing and uh, defining our relationships. And how do I know, where's the God-centered part of that? He says, the end of all things is near. In, the, in, a, in, a, in a world that has gone crazy, that's rushing toward a climax, Jesus has the keys to that climax. He says, I want you to be alert, sober-minded, so that you may pray. It's a focus on God. Pray to God. Get your eyes off the newspapers, off social media, off all the other narratives, and pray, which means we're engaging God. He is the primary point and central person in the story of the church. Not just God-centered. It's this love each other deeply. When God is at the center, you have a new affection Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When you come to Him, you find 
on either side of you, you've got brothers and sisters. There's no way of just being God-centered. You've got these brothers and sisters that we need to love with genuine love. And it talks about their love covers a multitude of sins. We always think like it's other people's sins. No, it covers my own sins. Love is when we have a, 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 a low uh, offense threshold or a high offense threshold. We, we're not easily offended. What happens, we need to get more and more unoffendable. We need to get toughen up and understand the grace in which we stand doesn't make us mean-spirited. We don't have a black book. We don't write people off. We love each other deeply. And so this call as we move into this new, this new, it's not about market, it's a God-centered thing, and it's about our community, and leadership is there to cause that to flourish. Second big charge uh, or, or window into this passage is God's action plan for every member, community, maturity, and flourishing. A lot of words, but basically, how many of you know COVID was a very tough time for the church? 20% of the people carried 80% of the tribe. Very few gifts were used in that. We just had a few people delivering goods and service and everyone else. Just the horrible nature of that season. But what happens is we got a bit flabby. We got a bit lazy. We didn't, we didn't bring our contribution, the things God's uniquely put into you. And so verse 10 says... This is, how you, this is how you get the church active, and I'm just going to whiz through these. Each of you, say each of you, should use whatever gifts you have received. You know what's like very, very, it's like, it's like terrible, this verse, if you're trying to get out of doing stuff. Because the assumption is each of you should use whatever gift you received, which means each of you have received a gift. There is not, you should, re you who've got a gift should should or if God's giving gifts, receive the one that's for you. No, each of you, every one of us has a gift. And this beautiful thing is we mustn't start seeing gifts as talents, like little, little things that can imp you know, improve the life. No, your gift is a supernatural enablement. Something God, if it comes from God, is supernatural. Something God, it can seem very ordinary, but it is supernatural if it comes from God. And it's for the welfare of others and the joy of your own life. When you are using your gift, it's, it's like finding your sweet spot. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I don't know what my gift is, and there are all kinds of ways and those gift assessment tools. I don't want to get into all of that, but I just want to say this. Gift assessment tools may help. Sometimes they make you too self-centered because it's all about me and my gifts, and it's like individualistic. Uh, Sam Storm said it like this, if you want to understand what your gifts are, just ask the leaders in the church, where can I serve? They'll point you, and you will collide with your gifts. Just get busy serving, and you will find a certain kind of grace throwing, flowing through the riverbed of your unique personality, your life, and you will find the thrill of being part of growing what God wants to do in and through this community. And guys, leaders, elders, can I just give you a, like a, a subtle warning? I know I'm never being invited back, so let me just do it. <laughs> Leadership is not here to monopolize ministry. We're here to multiply it and mobilize it. 
We are not here to monopolize. This is not the, all the names of all the previous. It's not our sideshow. It's us as a community animated by the life of God carrying this mission or this torch as Ashley shared into the future. Very quickly on to the others. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift uh, you have received. Use the gift. Look for ways. Say, say, God, I want to use, as I'm getting clarity around my book, I'm saying yes. I'm owning this thing. Then he says, each of you should use whatever you've gift you received to serve others. The gift is not primarily to make you feel better about yourself. It's not a self-actualization exercise. Oh, I found my gift and I'm so happy with myself. No, your gift is there, given to you and through you for the benefit of others. 2 Corinthians 4.15, uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, as the grace of God extends to more and more people, it results in thanksgiving to the glory of God. It's about more and more people. It's about people on the other side of our obedience waiting for us. And I'm just going to take a risk. There are people seated here today. I could go up and touch some of you, and then I would be accused of being very rude or manipulative. But there are many, many of you who, don't, who are unaware of how much grace is lying dormant in your life because you're not understanding the fact that you have been graced by God in such significant ways. And I want to charge, because I know you've had a gifts uh, uh, kind of a series on other fivefold ministry, but the purpose of fivefold ministry is to equip God's people for works of service. I hope this is getting through to us. Number four, uh, we're to do it as faithful stewards. Faithful stewards. A steward will give an account. Wow. So now, let me, if, if I'm in trouble already, let me get into more trouble. If you're not serving, you're sinning. Now, don't take it up with me. Take it up with God. If you're not serving, you're sinning. If you've given yourself an extended back foot, slacking off what Jesus is worthy of, minimizing the grace in your life and the assignment that He has for you, if you're living in that, in that, that realm of the excuses, you know, a lot of, you know a lot about people about the nature of the excuses. He says you have a gift. Now just take it up with Him. Take it up with Him. He's given you at least one, and listen carefully, not just for serving others, but also for your own personal maturity. You will never grow in maturity unless you assume responsibility for some things. Number five, as good stewards of the very diverse grace of God. So some people think this. Oh, we've got pastors, so I don't need to care because the pastors do all of that. Hey, listen. You might not be a recognized, ordained kind of elder pastor person, but I want to say to guys and girls in this church, we're called to be the most caring, shepherding army of believers possible. And so one person might have a weight of gifting to shepherd, but that same weight in you will be different. That's what it means by diverse. I learned this from Sam Storms. To... The diverse gifts of God are not, we need every kind of gift. 
We need every kind of gift, and we need the weighting of those gifts in different lives, working out in different ways, so that we get this multifaceted experience of the grace of God maturing and, and, and serving others. Okay. And then, on this point, and then one other big point, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And then he goes on, he says, if anyone serves. So the two main tracks and lanes that Peter's got, they're different to Paul's, is the kingdom of God moves forward with speaking and serving. It's quite simple, speaking and serving. And I'm going to get into even more trouble, because I've got some good news for you. If you're not called to speak, sigh a sigh of relief, but then you're called to serve. It's fantastic. No bums on seats. No spare parts. We all got a role to play in the church. I know I could be irritating some of you today. Just be, just be gracious to me. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to pick a fight. I just want us to be faithful to if anyone speaks. So whether you're in Kids Rock, whether you're sharing your, your story of transforming grace with others, you're, you're witnessing to others about God's scandalous goodness and love, we're speaking. When we prophesy, we're speaking. When we're exercising gifts, we're speaking in, in multiple ways. When you're leading a life group, you're speaking. When you're bringing influence to bear in the marketplace, we need to be depending on the same Holy Spirit, not just for, you know, one and a half hours on a Sunday. It ought to be part of when Jesus breathed on the disciples, he didn't say go into a meeting. He breathed on them. He said, take the baton. Take the torch out into the world. And the book of Acts happened mainly in the public arena. And serving isn't just putting up the chairs here. There's all kinds of other ways with moving in some of the justice areas that we serve and being aware of how we can add value in those places. Sam Storm says this, don't justify your passivity in the body because you don't have a speaking gift. If you don't have a speaking gift, guess what? You definitely have a serving gift. Okay. I've, I've, I've said enough. And you know, a lot of people, you know, charismatics, spirit-dependent kind of people, we've got this weird notion like, like God, we just, we just want God to move. Oh, we want to be part of the move of God. I'm just describing you what a move of God looks like. People are moved. We are moved. The, 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 the mission of Jesus moves forward. You want a move of God, this is the move of God. These are the exhortations to, to be open to the, your life, my life, becoming a riverbed for the Holy Spirit to flow in through ordinary people like us. Can you believe it? But collectively, it is powerful. How would you like to sing this morning the songs we sang in the shower all on your own? In load shedding. Okay, I'll, no. Here's the wonder. There's something about standing shoulder to shoulder with one another. The shared life, doing it together, it's so powerful. The same in life groups, sharing together. It's such a wonderful thing. Okay, last point. And then we're going to lay hands on these guys. The wonder of God's empowering presence. John 1, 16, I preached here the last time, from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. One translation says, we've all received grace upon grace. Folks, the wonder of what we're talking about this morning and what we're witnessing 
the miracle of what we are talking about today. Yesterday's grace is not enough. From the fullness, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. One translation says grace replacing grace because yesterday's grace was not intended for today. We need a fresh flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives in an ongoing way. Why should we expect that? Because it's from the fullness of God as an ever-flowing fountain of goodness and grace and life and love that as that begins to flow, and it's not like a drip, a drip feed, it is a flow. As that flows, we're changed. The church has changed. The world has changed. It's not programs. It's not the best stuff we can put together. All those things, those things can be helpful. It's about the life of God flowing to us. And right at the heart of this thing of the wonder of God's empowering presence is this verse. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Can I tell you what you can't do it with? The strength you bring to the moment. I'm not against anything that enhances our intellect, education, academics, courses we do. I'm, I'm for that stuff. But if we're going to serve, it takes more than that stuff. What God will bless as a supplement, he'll curse as a substitute. That stuff can't release the life of God. It's serve with the strength God provides. Some of you are saying, where's the Holy Spirit in that? It's like, do I just go to the gym and get muscles? No, wherever you see the word strength, think this is a promise of supernatural help. Wherever you see the word strength, the strength that God provides is, the, is, the, is a synonym for all the other words like God's might, God's power, God's energy. We don't have time to get into it. What God is wanting us to do in a moment like today is not to just to say we're celebrating a new leader coming and leading this team and taking us forward as a church. We're celebrating a moment to say God did this. God is at work in us, but it involves all of us. And if we do it in the strength God provides, you know what happens? God gets glorified. If I do it in the strength I bring, I get glorified and I end up building a tower in my own name. And under my watch as a leader, we're not building towers in our own names. We're building something sensational for the glory of God. So today I want to charge us all to say yes to the gifts God's given you. I want to say, say yes to the assignments that flow out of that gifting. But folk, say yes to the strength God provides. Say, say yes to more of the Holy Spirit flowing in our lives. We can't do this thing. But, and Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. He's trying to teach us that uh, we're the junior partners, but he is committed to human instrumentalities. I've I got to just bring this little one last thing and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna close. I'm married to one of the most amazing people on planet Earth. Okay, correction. The most amazing person on planet Earth. 
So Sue does not naturally like public speaking. But for the last 27 years in the Common Ground story, Sue has wielded the mighty gift of hospitality. She's poured out acts of kindness. She's graciously brought consistently to people words of exhortation, which is like the nice way of saying getting into people's faces about obeying Jesus. She's done it all in the strength that God has provided for her. And I want to say, I'm one of the most blessed people in the world because, well, blessed and most severely challenged because you're married to somebody who just serves and serves like that in the strength that God's provided. I just live under continual conviction that I don't serve enough. <laughs> but I understand she's got a strength in that lane. I've got a strength that comes from God in another lane. Together, humbly, in the hands of Jesus We've had 27 years of doing that together, and our greatest joy, it's never been about us. It's about multiplying that into others for the sake of others, and that's why we want to keep the vision alive of being a multiplying, church planting, church strengthening thing. Can we do it? No. Can God do it? Yes. Can God do it through us as ordinary people? And this is the beginning of a new chapter and a new season of recovering our redemptive potential as a church. But it's not about leaders only. It's about this whole community. I hope you feel the love of Jesus in my heart for you. I'm, I've brought courage to this moment, but I, and, I, and I'm hoping you're hearing the whispers and the provocations of God and saying, I want to be part of this. God, with the strength God provides, you know what happens when you're getting there? It says, offer hospitality without grumbling. If you don't get the strength, you end up doing stuff grumbling. There's been too much grumbling in our past. We are not going to be grumbling in our future. We're going to be a church. You can't serve in the strength that God provides and be grumblers. You can have honest conversations. You can have crucial conversations. We can challenge one another. But when the strength of God flows, it is the most beautiful thing. Thank you for listening to me.